Hello, and welcome to I'm Sorry, I Can't, Don't Hate Me, the Sex in the City review podcast from two series first-timers. I'm your host, Megan, here with my co-host, Kristen. Hello. And this week, we will be recapping, reviewing, and rating season two, episode 13, Games People Play. Friendly reminder to all our listeners that we do go very deep in these episodes and we analyze the crap out of them. So if you don't want any spoilers, we recommend you pausing the podcast, going and watching the episode, and then coming back to listen. And this week we have a really exciting special episode. Again, we have another guest to the pod this week, Kristen's sister, Kim. Welcome, Kim. Hi, thanks for having me. Kim, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about your relationship with Sex in the City and your relationship with New York? Well, I am a 40-year-old attorney who's been married about six years. I'm originally from New York, but I moved to Georgia as a child. Kristen's older sister. I've lived in the South, Georgia or Tennessee my whole life, other than my childhood. So I don't really know New York other than I visit my sister and we have some friends in New York. And I love New York. I think it's an awesome city. I think it'd be a hard place to live, but it's certainly a fun place to visit. And I have three young children, including my daughter, who should not be overhearing (laughs) this podcast. What's your relationship with Sex in the City? It, you know, it was on in the 90s when I was in high school. Like I had knew about it, but it wasn't something that like I was allowed to watch. It wasn't something I watched in high school, but it was something that seemed mm-hmm. kind of like risque. Like classmates would talk about it sometimes. And just the name of Sex in the City, it seemed very serious and dangerous and scandalous. And then it was on when I started college in syndication on TBS. I guess that's probably the first time I actually ever like saw an episode or I think in law school at I rented the DVDs, then saw like bits and pieces of it. I saw, wow. actually, I saw both movies. I went back and I watched some episodes, but it was never anything until this podcast that I've like ever watched in order or anything. I feel like it became such a big part of popular culture. Even now, all these like female meetup groups and book clubs and everything were sort of like, oh, it's, it's all due to Sex in the City. Now, I, I mean, I don't know how much of that is true, but I think it definitely had a huge cultural impact that way. This <laughs> is great. We're super excited to have you. So before we get started, Kristen and Kim, how are you? What were your highs and lows this week? And who were you channeling? And Kim, since you are our guest, we will let you go first. So I had an okay week. You know, again, I'm a criminal defense attorney, so there were no major trials or anything too terrible that happened. Good. So that's always a good thing. My children are four, three, and two. So they're all going to the same preschool and it's back to school time in Georgia. And, you know, they've had some issues adjusting, but then I cracked down this week and decided that it's time for me to become a tiger mom and lay down the law and crack the whip. So I'm going to get these pups in line. So I think that means I'm channeling, I guess, Miranda. I'm like taking care of business. If it's a metaphorical <laughs> whip. Miranda, if it's an actual whip, Samantha. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Miranda's also a lawyer, so perfect fit, perfect fit. Kristen, what about you? So my lows this week were, I was just kind of feeling under the weather. Nothing too bad and I'm fine now, but just didn't feel great. So it's bumming me out. Highs, Mitch took really good care of me and my cats are wonderful. I've been waking up in the morning, just like surrounded by cats and my husband and it's just really nice. So overall, a pretty good week, even though I was a bit grumpy. And then channeling, I said Carrie again, because when I'm sick, I just want somebody to take care of me and be like, oh, you poor dying thing that we bring you soup. And I think most of them probably wouldn't like that that much, but Carrie would definitely really revel in it. So. That's why I went with Carrie. All right. Good choices. And what about you, Megan? 
Yeah. I mean, it was a good week for me. I got my hair done. I did some fun activities this weekend with some friends. I went to the movies. And then I think I mentioned last week, but Niles, my cat wasn't feeling super well, but he's definitely back to tip top shape this week. So I was really happy to see that. In terms of lows, not too many lows this week. Just the weather the past few days has been pretty crummy. You know, summer is almost over. So I want to spend as much time outside as possible. And it's just kind of annoying that the weather's been a little bit shitty. And then character of the week, Kristen, we're twin Carries again. I am also channeling Carrie this week. I just feel like I had some main character energy this week, some stuff going on that felt very Carrie-esque. Cool. So before we get started, I have a little bit of research on this episode that I want to share. This episode is the 13th episode of season two. It's called Games People Play. It originally aired on August 29th, 1999, and it had an IMDb rating of 7.3, which is pretty much average that we're seeing for this season, a little bit on the lower end. It was written by Jenny Bix, another Bix episode, and we have a new director, Michael Spiller. Michael is a big TV director. He's done a lot of sitcoms. This was one of his very first directing jobs. He's still working today. In addition to this episode, he did six other episodes of Sex in the City. And then a lot of sitcom work. Like I said, he did 22 episodes of Modern Family, 30 episodes of Mindy Projects, and 20 episodes of Scrubs, including a handful of just random shows that I haven't thought about in years. And then he also won an Emmy for Outstanding Directing for a Comedy Series for an episode of Modern Family. A couple other shows that I personally really like that he's worked on are Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that this is like one of his first episodes. I think he does a decent job for guest stars. Our big guest star this episode is John Bon Jovi himself. He plays Carrie's love interest. If you don't know, John Bon Jovi is the lead singer and namesake of the band Bon Jovi. They've been around since the early 80s. They really took off in 86 with their third album, Slippery When Wet. They have big songs like You Give Love a Bad Name and Living on a Prayer. It might be sacrilegious to some people, but I confuse him with Bruce Springsteen a lot because they're both New Jersey bands. This will definitely offend people. I always mix up Bon Jovi with Tom Petty. I feel like they look alike and people get really upset when I say that. Yeah, because I feel like Bon Jovi is like a pretty boy and Tom Petty was like, he's a toothy guy, a real toothy guy. That's totally fair. In addition to the singing, it kind of seems like he was really making a play at acting around this time. He had a recurring role in Ally McBeal. And then he was also in several movies around like late 90s to early 2000s, none of which I heard of. He had a part in the Helen Hunt movie, Pay It Forward, which I've not seen. So I don't know how big a role that is. And then kind of related to the show in real life, John Bon Jovi married his high school sweetheart kind of at the height of his fame. They like ran away to Vegas together and apparently they're still married. They have four kids together and they've been together over 40 years. So that's nice. Yeah. I have a couple just quick fun facts about Mr. Jovi. Okay. His mom was actually one of the first Playboy bunnies. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. He is the great nephew of Frank Sinatra. And in the late nineties and the early two thousands, he was on like four or five different sexiest 
sexiest man or sexiest rock star lists mm. of all time. So I think relevant for this episode because Carrie wears the Playboy bunny necklace in this episode. Oh, I had that and one. Big is always obsessed with Frank Sinatra. So I thought those were some funny synchronicities that probably aren't actually related to the show, but kind of just fun facts. I feel like this is the biggest guest star that we've had so far. Then other guest stars we had in this episode, John Dossett. He plays Samantha's love interest. He is a big Law & Order guy. He's been in seven Law & Order episodes, all his different characters. He has done a lot of bit parts and shows like Gossip Girl and Blue Buds and Suits. I think his longest run as a character was he played Benjamin Rush in the John Adams HBO miniseries. And then we have Anne Lang. She plays Dr. G, Carrie's therapist. She is also a bit part actress. She was not really in anything too notable. Her IMDb credits her as being in the movie Leaving Las Vegas. But if you actually look at the roles she played, it's just like a generic part. It's not actually like a named character. And the interesting part, speaking of her playing an extra, is that this is her second episode of Sex in the City. She also had a bit part in the Baby Shower episode last season. She played a character oh. named Gretchen, who I believe was one of the mommies. I don't think it's supposed to be the same person, but we could pretend that Dr. G also is friends with Lainey and lives in the suburbs of Connecticut. And that is all I have for notes. If you are ready for the recap, Let's jump yeah. In. All right. So the episode starts with Carrie narrating that in a city where everyone is dying to couple up, sometimes the best thing is being single again. And this is all coming after the very recent breakup with Mr. Big. She says that it gives you time to get chores done and work on hobbies, but most importantly, it gives you more time to catch up and spend time with your friends. So after Carrie and Big's breakup, she literally cannot stop talking about him to her friends. We see like three or four different scenes with each of them where she's just talking about how she's so much better off without Big now and she feels sorry for him because she has so many great qualities. And one day she's going to find someone that loves her and he's just going to be alone. And she's really going on and on the way that, you know, sometimes happens when you're fresh off a breakup. So the girls all look a bit exhausted and finally they're all kind of in the park together having a beer and Carrie takes a break from speaking about Big and the girls are literally just staring at her and Charlotte looks concerned Samantha looks bored out of her mind and Miranda also is just like looking pretty irked and Samantha's just like all right, who's going to tell her? And they basically tell her like, we're really sick of you talking about big. It's too much. Maybe it's time for you to see a therapist. And Carrie's kind of just like, well, you know, I just went through a breakup. I thought that I was entitled to talk about my ex with my friends after a breakup. And Miranda's like, yeah, you are, but it may also be time to talk to a therapist who's more objective and can provide a little more guidance for you. It's just gotten to be too much. And Carrie's just like, yeah, but why should I pay for one? Like when I have you guys and Samantha's like, yeah, you have us for like about 10 more minutes and then I'm done listening to any of this. And then Carrie keeps putting forth excuses and she's like, yeah, well, like she seems generally mad at them. She's yeah. upset that they dare to tell her that they can't listen to her talk about her breakup Totally, anymore. totally. She's not like yelling, but she's definitely giving them a lot of pushback. And then she finally says like, well, I don't really believe in therapy. I don't need a therapist. I just need new friends. And Samantha's basically like, 
listen, we're all single. We're all as fucked up as you. It's the blind leading the blind here. Like we can't help you. And again, Miranda just adds like, sometimes it's just good to talk to someone objective who has no skin in the game like we do. So Carrie was just really on one. She's like, look, Miranda, I get why you have a therapist Mm. because like you're in your head all the time. And, but like, I'm fine. I'm functioning. There's no reason that I need to see a therapist. Charlotte basically agrees with her. And she's like, yeah, my family doesn't believe in therapy either. And we just think that any head problems that you have can be solved through physical exercise. And that's why we're all really good tennis players. And Carrie's like, going to therapy is truly just a slippery slope. You start out going once a week, then you're going twice a week, then three times a week. Then every sentence you say starts with, well, my therapist says, and Miranda kind of jumps in here and says, well, my shrink says that that's a very common fear. And Carrie just continues this anti-therapy rant. Carrie's back at her apartment and she starts to wonder if the gals are right. And she's like, okay, well, I need to consult my own expert. And so we cut to a scene of Stanford and her walking down the street. And Stanford is frankly just shocked that she doesn't already have one. And he's like, I can't believe you don't have one already. Even the shrinks in New York have shrinks. And Stanford shares like, Honestly, I love therapy. I have three different shrinks and they all serve different purposes. I have one that gives me tough love when I need it. I have one who coddles me when I need to feel better. And then I have one who I just see when I need to see a beautiful man. So Stanford's like, yeah, like if you need help finding one, I can give you the name of somebody. And she's like, oh no, no worries. I've already gotten a referral from someone that Miranda's therapist knows. Her name's Dr. Ellen Greenfield. And Stanford's like, oh my gosh, Dr. G, like, I can't believe you got an appointment with her. She's super high profile and she's like a therapist to the stars. Even Gwyneth Paltrow goes to see her. And Carrie is kind of like, well, what does Gwyneth Paltrow need a therapist for? Stanford says, because she's suffering from high self-esteem. So that evening, Miranda's at home and she's doing a crossword puzzle on her couch. She sees a man in the building across the way and he's like staring into her apartment And at first she's like very startled by this. And then she kind of like runs and hides, but then she peeks around the corner and she's like, oh, actually this guy is pretty hot. So she decides to kind of like lean into it. And so a couple of nights later, she sees him again and he waves at her from across the way and she kind of shyly waves back. And soon she finds herself having these nightly window encounters with this man that are kind of flirty and sexy. A few weeks later, Carrie's at Dr. G's office and she's feeling a little bit nervous. She's fiddling with this like old wooden toy type thing that I think is meant to just kind of keep your hands busy while you're doing therapy. Yeah. Dr. G asks Carrie, so yeah, like, why are you here? And Carrie's like, well, I'm here because my friends like can't stand to listen to me talk anymore. Dr. G's like, okay, well, why is that? Like, what are you talking about that's bothering them? And Carrie's just kind of relaxed. But she's like, uh, you know, I've just gotten out of a breakup and they just think I'm talking about my ex too much. Dr. G's like, okay, that happens. And Carrie's kind of like, yeah, that's normal, isn't it? And Dr. G's like, we don't really use terms like normal or abnormal in therapy. So Dr. G's then kind of like, well, tell me about the ex in question. Like, what's his deal? And Carrie, instead of answering her, is being a bit evasive and just says, you know, I'm not actually like into therapy. I'm more of a solve your own problems kind of gal. Or as I like to call it, more of a impose my problems on my friends kind of gal. They're like kind of silent. Dr. G doesn't really give much air to that. Carrie basically is just like, all right, fine. And she starts to 
divulge about Big and says, you know, he was smart and sexy and totally screwed up. And he was playing all of these games that she didn't know the rule of. And Dr. G is kind of like, oh, so you were playing games with him. She's like, no, no, no. I wasn't playing games. Like he was playing games. I was just along for the ride. And Dr. G asks Carrie, okay, well, like, is this the first time that you've found yourself in a relationship where you're not getting what you want from your partner? And again, Carrie is just being evasive. She's like, yeah, like who hasn't? And then she's like, all right, yes, I have dated other men that are are kind of like this. Dr. G basically tells Carrie, you know, it sounds like maybe what one of your problems is, is that you might be picking the wrong men for you. So we cut to a scene later, Carrie is walking down the street with the gals telling them about the therapy session. And she's like, can you believe it? She thinks that I choose the wrong men. And Samantha's like, yeah, I could have told you that. Like, this is a super obvious analysis. And Carrie's just like, that's not actually my problem. I don't pick the wrong men. I think I picked the wrong therapist. And Dr. G just doesn't get me. And you know, she thinks that I'm a game player. Can you believe that? And Charlotte's like, yeah, but like everybody plays games. Like we have to. And Miranda's just like, oh my God, like that is so unhealthy. Like, no, you don't have to be immature and play games all the time. And Carrie's like, well, that's rich coming from somebody who's playing peekaboo with her neighbor. And Charlotte just kind of continues and says that games are empowering as long as you know how to play them. They give you power and control in the situation. And Samantha just kind of jumps in and she's like, the only place that you can actually control a man is in the bedroom. Carrie keeps on and she's like, listen, I don't like playing games. Like I played games with Big and that led to us breaking up. And Charlotte's like, well, you know, maybe the game's not actually over. Maybe it's just halftime. And Miranda's just like, please, this delusional thinking is not helping you or anyone else. Carrie just doubles down that Dr. G is wrong and she doesn't pick the wrong guys and the wrong guys just pick her. And Samantha indulges her a little bit and says, listen, it's slim pickings out there. You can't wave your bag around without hitting over like five losers. So I get it. So the ladies arrive at the bar that they were going to. And when they get inside, they're shocked to see that it is basically just all men in there. And it's revealed that they're at a happy hour spot and they didn't realize that it was sports night, but the gals are just in a fantasy land with all of these available men watching sports. And so they get a table, the bartender comes over and brings them all beers. And he's like, oh yeah, it's ladies night. So ladies always drink free. And so they're all just like, wow, this is amazing. Why have we never done this before? And then Samantha sees a guy eyeing her the bar and she decides to go over and talk to him. So she sits next to him and she's like, oh, who's winning? He's like, oh, the Knicks. And Samantha's like, cool. Like, is that good? Like, I literally don't know. And he's like, oh, so you're not a Knicks fan, I guess. And she's just like, I don't know. We learned that the man's name is Don and he is a wealthy importer of Mexican handbags with two passion areas, keeping the price of foreign labor down and the Knicks. And he orders Samantha a drink and then says, oh, you know, maybe I can teach you a couple of things about sports. And Samantha's like, oh, well, maybe I can teach you a couple of things. And then he literally starts screaming at the TV for some sports reasons. I don't know what's going on. And Samantha is, for whatever reason, turned on by this. And two hours later, after the Knicks win, they go back to Samantha's place and they have sex. 
So meanwhile, Carrie's at home. She's thinking about what Charlotte has said about playing games and relationships. And she starts to wonder if the games that people play as children are just primers for the games that you play with each other as adults. And basically the thesis of the episode is, do you have to play games to make a relationship work? We cut to a talking head scene. The first scene is a guy and he says, oh, I met this gal on Saturday. We had a great time, but I couldn't immediately call her. I looked desperate. So I didn't call her until Thursday. And then and we see another scene. I think we're led to believe that this is the woman he went on a date with. And she says, can you believe I went out with this guy on Saturday? He didn't call me till Thursday. So when he called, I screened his call and then I didn't call him back until Monday. And then we have another woman and she says that she's given her boyfriend an ultimatum to propose to her over Christmas and says that if that doesn't work, she can always secretly get pregnant. So the next day, Carrie decides that she's going to show up for her second appointment with Dr. G, although she's still very skeptical of the whole thing. As she's waiting and reading through an old magazine, a handsome man, aka John Bon Jovi, walks out of Dr. G's office. They make eye contact and say hi, and Carrie's very interested. And so regardless of her reservations about Dr. G, we find out that Carrie then decides to even come for her third appointment. And just in the off chance that she runs into the sky again, she makes sure that she is looking her absolute best and wearing her favorite dress. He comes out of the office and Carrie kind of looks up briefly and then back at her magazine trying to play coy and the guy introduces himself says his name is Seth and he's like yeah I figure you know we could keep playing coy or I could finally just introduce myself and Carrie's like oh well I'm glad that you did we find out that Seth is a famous photographer here in New York and then he asks her you know like maybe this is weird but would you like to get dinner with me and Carrie's just like I would love to and so then Seth leaves Dr. G calls Carrie back and Carrie narrates maybe this wasn't the most ethical place to pick up a date, but there was just something about Seth. So a day or two later, Samantha is over at Carrie's house. They're drinking wine, eating popcorn, watching TV. Carrie's telling Samantha about Seth and says, oh gosh, like I did meet him at therapy. Like what if he's crazy? And Samantha just kind of makes a glib comment that it's the crazy ones that always have the good pills. And then Samantha just starts screaming and yelling at the TV and Carrie's like, whoa, what's going on? And Samantha shares that John is obsessed with sports and she doesn't get laid unless the Knicks win and they've been having a really bad season. So she's just praying that the Knicks win because she really just wants to get some action. Carrie's just like, why are you putting up with this? Just like see somebody else. Samantha's like, the sex is just unbelievable from what I can remember and I want to keep seeing this guy. So we cut to a scene of Miranda. She's still playing games with her neighbor across the way. So in this scene, we see that he's looking over at her and he's wearing nothing but a towel. And he does like a little signal for her to turn around. And she does a flirty little turn and looks over her shoulder. And then Carrie narrates that this guy has wanted to graduate from playing peekaboo to playing doctor. And he removes his towel a bit and shows his butt. And then Miranda's like, well, I want to play fair here so she flashes one of her boobs at him in the weirdest way too she's wearing like yeah. high mandarin collar silk pajamas and she just yeah. kind of like pops the boob out in between the buttons <laughs> it was it was interesting i thought the sentiment behind it was you know sexy enough but the <laughs> execution was lacking and the guy honestly looks very confused by the whole thing as well so a few nights later, Carrie meets up with Seth for dinner. They keep talking about Dr. G and her office and they're making jokes about her plants. 
And he's like, yeah, you know, that plant is like actually fake. He knows because he's touched the plant and Carrie is mockingly scolding him. And he says, well, you know, I've been going to her for a year now and I've just gotten bored until you came along, Carrie. She's very taken by this. And in the spirit of not playing games, she decides to tell him right then and there that she likes him. Later that week, Miranda's at the grocery store shopping for dinner, which apparently is going to be oatmeal raisin cookies. She sees her neighbor from across the way at the store as well. And she's kind of like sneaking around following him a little bit. And she just realizes she's kind of being childish. And so she decides to go up and introduce herself to him. And he just looks very confused by the whole thing. She like mimes, like showing her boob to him and he realizes like who she is. And he's like, oh, you're the girl that lives above the guy that I've been cruising. And Miranda is truly mortified and quickly slinks away. And Carrie narrates that Miranda realized that she's still playing with an imaginary friend and is just incredibly embarrassed by the whole thing and calls her therapist for an emergency session the next day. The next night, Samantha is at Dawn's place watching the final Knicks game and celebrating the imminent return of her sex life as basketball season is ending. The Knicks win the game and they embrace and kiss and Samantha's ready to kind of get some action. And Dawn's like, oh, sorry, you're gonna have to wait. Like the Mets are playing Chicago now that basketball season is over. I can put my full attention towards baseball season. Samantha's just disgusted by this and she gets up and leaves and decides well, that it's not worth it anymore. He says too he's like now i can give my full attention to the mets and they are not playing well yeah they're having a bad season <laughs> back at carrie's apartment she and seth are making out in the doorway she invites him in he sees all the board games she has and he tells her like oh you have twister like i was actually the seventh grade twister champion and carrie's like oh is that a challenge and they decide to play it's a little cute and sexy and escalates obviously and then in bed later Carrie is like what do you think Dr. G would think about this and he's like oh she would think it's very bad and then Carrie decides to come clean and admits that she's not really into therapy and she thinks it's kind of bullshit he makes a little joke he's like well I'm telling Dr. G on you and they're kind of like flirting and being cutesy or whatever and then she's like but really like why are you in therapy and he reveals to her that he's really messed up about women and says once he sleeps with them, he just loses all interest in them entirely. And Carrie is obviously just hurt by this notion. And he asks her why she's seeing Dr. G and she realizes that she's having a breakthrough. And she says really sadly that she chooses the wrong men and then turns away from him sadly and like looks into the distance. And so the next morning, Carrie says, even though Dr. G made some good points, she never went back because she couldn't risk running into Seth again. But luckily, her friends totally understood. And that is the end of the episode. Kim sitting down for probably the first time in 10-ish years and watching an entire unedited episode of Sex in the City. What did you think? So I did sit down and watch it. And I would say all four of them are absolutely beautiful. They all look kind of different and they're really like pretty in their own way. And they had really cool style. Like there was a scene early in the show when all four of them were walking together down the sidewalk. And I was just like, wow, you know, you, you see all the stuff now where I think that Kristen Davis had like a lot of work done on her face and they're all looking older and you know, Samantha's not in it anymore. So, you know, I've seen all 
all that like the stuff for the reboot. So it's like, oh, I forgot how pretty they were. And also too, which you guys have noted, you know, you don't really grasp from, from listening to your podcast is the show was like 20 minutes long. It was like super fast. This was yeah. a I really so short to one too. Like, uh, oh really? So some of them very on link? Because I was like, I mean, man, like it was like the blink of an eye. I was like, I'll sit down and 20 minutes later it was over. I was like, well, that was, that yeah. was like nothing. They're all under 30 minutes, but this one, including credits, didn't even hit 22 minutes. An extremely short episode. Yeah, we had a similar reaction. The first time we watched for the podcast, we were like, wow, I always thought these were like hour long episodes or something. And they're actually- I'm so glad they're not. Very short. I know, imagine. (laughs) I forgot how funny it is. I don't know if all the episodes are this funny, but like it was really funny, I thought. And I was like, oh, it's like comedy. I mean, people now over-intellectualize it. This is a show that's just kind of light, not taking itself too seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where I think it fails. This episode, I thought it was really funny. Okay, so this one was unusually funny. I found it enjoyable watching. A lot of them, they try to be, but they end up just being gross or weird. And then it's like, well, it's supposed to be this light show, but then it's not funny. But Uh this one, I have a lot to discuss and there's a lot that made me mad, but you know, it's fun to hate it kind of way. It's so funny. You guys are saying this episode was funny. I thought it was super boring. I was like bored this entire episode. I didn't think it was that interesting. It was fine. I have no emotional ties to Bon Jovi either. So I feel like (laughs) that- Because you're young. I mean, that meant nothing to me. It's like, I know who he is, but it's just literally, I don't care. And I don't know. I didn't love how anti-therapy the whole thing was. Glad that Carrie acknowledges some of her issues at the end, but that is truly the tip of the iceberg, my friend. You got a lot more going on than just picking the wrong men. I will say, I didn't think this was a particularly bad thesis. I think some of them are not that good and some of them are a stretch. I think the storylines for this one lined up pretty well. Mm -hmm. I like that Stanford is just popping up a bit more. I like him a lot. Well, that was the funniest line in the whole show. When I actually laughed out loud when he started saying about his different therapists, yes, three. Yeah. And then he was talking about, oh, Dr. G, she's so good. Gwyneth Paltrow sees her. And she's like, what is Paltrow? What does she need therapy Yeah, exactly. He goes, she suffers from high self-esteem. <laughs> I found that hilarious. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was funny was when they walked into the sports bar and basically they're like, wow, this is like a dream come true. Being in a sports bar with all of these available men watching sports. And I was like, I literally cannot think of something that I would like to do less than go to a sports bar with oh, a bunch of loud men. Yeah. If the bar you want to go to and you walk in and there's a game on, you're just like, nope, I'm going to go someplace else. I disagree, but okay. Maybe I'm a sporto. I do want to know Kim's so, thoughts on being a sporto. I had a friend who told me this a while back. She said like, you will never meet like a group of girls and they'll be sitting around and be like, oh, let's talk about that football game. You know, that Matt Ryan or whatever, right? But women will, you know, you get into sports through guys and then- It's funny that you bring that up. I'm actually surprised Miranda wasn't actually more into it because she does like sports. Like we established that pretty early on in the season. That Yankee episode, she's like a big baseball fan, right? yeah, Yeah, totally. Different people like different things. And that is literally the last thing that I would want to do with my time. (laughs) Spend time in a sports bar with a bunch of loud men. But if you like drinking and gambling, you can bet on games and you can have drinks and eat like good bar food. And it, you know, there's something to be said for it. Yeah, I can see the appeal there. I also feel like if me and you were going to get a drink and we went into the bar and there was a bunch of men who we didn't know cheering for like a Knicks game, you're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, let's just watch this random sports game with new friends where 
I definitely think if your husband, Brett, and his friend walked into a bar, they would be like, oh, let's go. It is a different thing for women. If you're there to hit on guys or you're there with your male partners and friends, then you can have fun. But just as single gals, the idea to go to that to hit on men is bizarre. Even if you are a sports fan, you know what I mean? I feel like I just like would not want to. I don't like loud bars and things. Kim, would you go to a a sports bar like without Brett? But I would go to a sports bar if it was like a group of friends. And maybe it's more Southern culture thing, but I was never a football fan. You know, Kristen, you know, we never had a dad who was like, oh, UGA football or anything like that. But in the South football Saturdays where people go and you watch a game somewhere and there's like just like a bunch of camaraderie and it's like it's a fun social thing. Actually, I had a New York experience with that because I went a few years ago, Brett and I were in New York and the Georgia game was on and we went to like a Georgia bar in New York. Actually, I find that's really fun to do that in different cities. Yeah. Most people are not like Georgia fans, but then they're like, oh, Georgia game's on and like meet everyone in the bar. Yeah. Like that's like, it's fun. So I think sports can be fun or like, you know, March Madness or, you know, certain events. I know the World Cup is coming back this summer. Like it can be fun in a social group, even if you're not Mm, into sports per se. Yeah, I think for me, it's like going to an actual sporting event is fun as a social activity. Once it's on TV, I'm no longer invested in it. But at an actual game, I can kind of get into it. Okay, let's talk about Charlotte's storyline. There wasn't really much to it. I will say I do love an episode where it's a light Charlotte storyline. Yeah. Because she always has incorrect opinions. Was there a Charlotte storyline? No. No, she was just in the group scenes. She had a few comments that I definitely would like. She undermined the conversation when the friends are having the intervention. She's like, my family just thinks you can take out your head problems with physical activity. That's why we're all great (laughs) tennis players. I thought that was funny though. Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny. I just was more like, of course she has this problematic viewpoint. This is classic Charlotte. It's also just like, Charlotte, you're tired of listening to Carrie talk about big, but you also don't believe in therapy. Like, what do you want her to do? That's what I'm frustrated. I feel like what she's saying is obviously therapy wasn't something that Carrie was into. So maybe like Carrie should have went running or played tennis or something. Could be a way to get her frustrations. They make it sound like such a bubble-headed remark, but like it actually is not really a bad suggestion. I think isolated, it's not a great suggestion, but I think in addition to therapy, it can definitely be helpful. Physical activity, of course, has benefits, endorphins and things, but that's not going to be the solution to all of your problems. And I think it wasn't even meant in that regard. I think it was more meant like, oh, you don't need therapy. Therapy's for kooks. Just do some exercise. That was kind of how I took it. And Carrie's against therapy, but she's never even really tried it. So it wasn't super helpful in the friendship intervention to basically undermine Samantha and Miranda. That's what I think. I also just find it funny because... Charlotte is so uptight and I imagine her family is also really uptight. Like she says in the one episode, optics are important to her. Everything has to be perfect and look perfect. I don't really want to take mental health advice from you, Charlotte. Play tennis and then you can be normal like me and not be super obsessed with things. Like, mm, no. (laughs) Totally. And she's also just perpetuating these delusions of Carrie and Big being like this great couple that maybe will eventually get back together. I mean, obviously we know that they do get back together, but don't encourage that behavior. Come on. Carrie needs to just move on with her life. Don't say, well, maybe it's just a halftime. The game's not really over. I think Miranda was totally right in being like, don't push those solutions you clearly also need therapy if you think that's true so I thought that was funny 
Let's talk about Miranda. I felt bad for Miranda. Honestly, same. Her entire storyline was funny, but it made me cringe. It's like, you know, like when you see someone like waving and you think they're (laughs) waving at you. And so like you wave back and then you realize they're like waving at the person behind you. Yeah. Or when someone says hello and you think they're saying hi, but they're actually on the phone. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like Miranda's entire storyline was basically that, but 50 times worse. I was so embarrassed for her. Also, I just thought it was funny because I was just talking about Charlotte being uptight. Miranda is so down. If she's interested in somebody, it's like, oh, okay. You like want to have sex in public. All right. We'll try it a bunch of different places. You want to like leave the weird porn on in the background. All right, we'll try that. Oh, this guy's making eyes at me through the window. All right, I'm going to like flash a little bit. Literally putting herself out there. And then she does introduce herself to the guy at the grocery store and is being an adult. Oh, that's just mortifying. (laughs) Because that guy's really mean. You think he would be embarrassed? He wasn't like mean. He was just like, I don't know who you are, basically. Right. But here's the thing, though. It's cringy. It's uncomfortable, the whole thing. But the fact that he's like, oh, it's a mistake and it's the guy below you or whatever. I think that that's better than if he was just like, I just felt sorry for, mm. you know, or something. Like, I mean, it could have been something much yeah, more terrible. That's a good point. Like, like, I would never actually be interested in someone like yeah, you, you know. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my take as well. I didn't think that he was being mean. I think he was just being like, oh, sorry. I didn't know what right. you were talking about. Yeah, but he didn't say but, sorry or like chuckle or anything. He was just like, oh, you. Well, maybe that means he didn't see the boob stuff, you know? Right, maybe. right. And he probably did it because he was yeah. at her. The other thing with Miranda's storyline that I want to talk about is, ugh. Carrie was so rude to Miranda and I literally, I don't know why Miranda puts up with these women. They're so dismissive and rude to her. Like Carrie, we get it. You don't want to do therapy because you're a problematic person and you don't think you have any issues, whatever. I thought that was so unbelievably rude. I know. When she's like, oh, I know you need therapy because you like hear voices. I know. I mean, good on Miranda. She should have just been like, look, I went through a really big breakup with Steve and literally nobody supported me at all. And then she finds out that she has a lazy ovary and they're not supportive. They're like, oh, okay. Then Carrie makes this rude comment to Miranda and you could see in Miranda's face like, okay, I'm mad, but I'm just going to push it down because we need to finish this intervention and Mm -hmm. props to Miranda for that. Totally. Because I would have fucking yelled at Carrie. Truly. How dare you? It's like a stop being friends with somebody kind of comment. I get why you would need therapy, but me, perfect Carrie, (sighs) I would never need that. Oh my God. Please just get even an iota of self-awareness. Please, please, I'm begging you, well, Carrie. Well, it just seems like toxic friendship. If a friend says that to you, like they're not right. your friends. Totally. Even if she doesn't mean it mean-spiritedly, it's just the fact that that would even come out of her mouth shows that she's a bad friend. And then Miranda helps her find a therapist. I know. Much kinder than me. Yeah. I would just be like, cool, just rot. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about with Miranda before we jump to Samantha? Nope. I just thought Samantha's storyline was really boring, to be honest. Oh, I thought it was really funny. I liked it too. I had no interest in it. I thought it was literally the biggest snooze. 
Oh, I loved how instantly Samantha, she's at Carrie's apartment and she's so into the game and Carrie's like, where did this come from all of a sudden? Instead of just being like, oh, I really hope the Knicks win tonight. She knows the players and the stats and everything. And it's like, all right, she's taking this seriously. And then she runs out the door and then he's like, oh, time to really focus on baseball. Right. I mean, I guess that's funny. I just didn't find it very interesting. It felt very expected. And I don't believe that a man would literally just stop having sex because his sports team isn't winning. Not my particular relationship, but that's, that's like a real thing. That's like psychotic. I don't know. The whole thing felt very goofy to me. I also don't think Samantha would actually be like that into sports. That's the least believable part that she would after having sex with this guy once. But I like that about Samantha. She's just like, ah, I'm going to try this new thing. Maybe I'll end up liking sports. But like she did also, not. Also, Samantha's all about free love and not being tied down. Why are you only getting sex from this one dude if that's the case? One time it was really good. Yeah, but you don't have to stop having sex with him. Just have sex with other people when his team loses maybe she was yeah. they didn't necessarily say that or did they say that she, she did say like, oh, hold okay. on i wrote okay. down the quote because i really liked it the knicks are the only ones getting screwed right now exactly <laughs> so i was just like yeah i mean keep him on the bench if we want to do sports metaphors get some other players in but Kim, you've known people. I mean, there's definitely people who get very, very depressed when their team doesn't win. I just remember my ex-fiance from some years ago, his family was really close with this other family and they lived in Savannah, but they used to go up to Athens, Georgia, which is several hours away from Savannah to go to UGA games. And they had to take separate cars because if they team lost, the dad would be so mad that he would just scream and rant and like seem to be alone. God. So, I mean, there I guess there are just people who take it very, very yeah. seriously and get actually like depressed, you know, so I could see if someone is like a hardcore fan, you're depressed when your team loses, you take it really personally. So you probably wouldn't feel up to like literally up to it. That wasn't even like that dude's vibe though, right? Like he was pretty jovially saying the Mets were having a bad season, right? Like he didn't seem that depressed by it. I don't know. We didn't see him when the team actually lost. So I know, but even just the way he presented it, where he was like, you know, the Mets are having a bad season. Ha ha ha. Like, it didn't seem like he was that intense. Did you ever see one of my favorite rom-coms of all time? Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, Fever Pitch. I've never seen that one. Really? I love that movie. I have seen it. It's been a while. He's like a big Boston Red Sox fan or something, right? I forgot. Yes. I don't care for sports or Drew Barrymore. So we're Jimmy Fallon. You know, I guess some might find Samantha's storyline funny. You guys did. <laughs> Two out of three. My favorite mm -hmm. part of this episode was actually the facial acting of Kim Cattrall during the opening scene when Carrie's yakety yakking to all her friends in the scene where she's talking to Samantha. Samantha's like, mm -hmm. oh, kill me. Also, when they're sitting in the park and they've brought up the intervention and Charlotte says that she doesn't believe in therapy, <laughs> she literally looks over at Miranda and like rolls her eyes like can you believe this woman I think Kim Cattrall's a better face actress than she is like actress actress because she was crushing I, it in these yeah her facial expressions were really good in this one I totally agree I looked forward to that part when I rewatched it her scenes were really quick no they told both Samantha and Miranda's story very quickly so that we could yeah. focus on Carrie's nightmare of a story right well, it's the Carrie show, so. I like Carrie's story. 
I liked it because I thought it was one of those you love to hate him kind of thing. I found her to be so annoying and obnoxious. So I enjoyed watching it because I was just like, ugh, Carrie. Totally. But didn't it ultimately the therapy idea worked because through therapy, which she didn't take seriously at all, she met the guy and at least got her to not talk about Mr. Big for a few minutes. It worked for the friends for sure. You know, there you go. I wouldn't say that it was actually a success because she decides to, instead of finding a different therapist, because first of all, you should never be dating somebody that sees, like, I think that's like actually an ethical issue. Oh, I I completely agree. If the therapist had known she would have had to like fire Carrie as a patient anyway, because it's unethical. But the fact that she's just like, nope, there's no other therapist for me. Just have to go back to imposing on my friends constantly. They'll understand. It's like, no, it really wasn't successful in the end. She went to three sessions too. Like, and like one of those sessions she only went to so she could pick up a guy. I know. Well, that's maybe she needs to go to a, a male therapist because then there'll be something. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is all a good segue into talking about Carrie's storyline. Usually it's like Carrie's writing the story, so it's obnoxious, but the writing was self-aware enough to show multiple scenes. When Carrie's going on and on to all of her friends, she's talking to, I forget which one, but she's like, and I was just like abracadabra. Like, I'm just this moment in time and I just pop. Sometimes I pop on my own. And like, just being like, I'm just so amazing. And Big was lucky to even know me. And their friends are just like, oh my God, shut up, Carrie. It was really funny. I do like those parts. And I think even though Carrie was just so fucking annoying about her anti-therapy bullshit, that's kind of the point of the episode, right? Is that she does lack self-awareness and she does need to have this realization. Mm -hmm. So even though it was annoying, I think it was done well because that was kind of the point of it. Right. I will tell you the least believable thing to me in the whole show in this episode was I mean, I know why they had to do it because that was like the, the catch of the whole plot device to make the episode stand. But Carrie has no boundaries and like is so inappropriate. So I think the first thing she would have asked Bon Jovi is, hey, why are you in therapy? Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. Waited, yeah. Like if she had the self-restraint to wait several dates, you know, for that, I would be like, oh, come on. Like that'd be the first thing that she'd talk about. That's a really good point. Yeah. I also, like when I was watching, I was like, weird that she's asking him this now. I mean, again, to your point, Kim, it, it's a plot device, well, right? Like it has to be asked then, but she would totally just like in the therapy office, just be like, why are you here? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. Do you guys think that the Bon Jovi character was actually a genius, though? Because he could have been in therapy for anything, but particularly saying like, oh, I can't commit to women after I sleep with them. I'm not interested. Could have just been a way to be like, I'm never going to call you again, <laughs> but it's because of my therapy. That's true. I mean, we'll never know. We will we'll never, never know. know, but it could be. It could be that. It's kind of interesting, though, because that's how she like learns her lesson, right? That like she chooses the wrong men. And like he is obviously the wrong man, right? Like she met him in therapy, which you shouldn't be doing, number one. Number two, he literally says, I lose interest in women as soon as I sleep with them. But everything in the middle, like I think that part was a little bit poorly executed because it wasn't like there were any like raging red flags where it's like, oh, it's obvious that she picks the wrong men. I think it would have been better if he had some sort of weird red flag where he's like, oh, I don't like trust women or something like that. And then Carrie's like, I can make him trust me, right? 
If he had had some other red flag, I feel like it would have been a better reveal. No, I completely agree. Because I feel like the breakthrough that she has, it really is not you pick the wrong man. It's, she needs to figure out what she wants and then specifically try and meet somebody that's like that. What did she want out of this relationship with this guy? Did she think this was going to be a serious relationship? Because in that case, it's yeah. not even picking him because she didn't even pick him. They hung out. They yeah. had lunch where they mostly talked about therapy or the therapist mm -hmm. that they're seeing. And then they played Twister and it was like a fun, sexy time. Totally. Well, right. And all she knew about him, though, is that like they were both in therapy, but she doesn't know why he's in therapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then also that she thought he was good looking and he thought that she was pretty. It wasn't like she's picking him because she thinks he might be a nice person who's good for or her. Or is that supposed mm -hmm. to be the breakthrough <laughs> that in another time and place, even though he said, I lose interest in women when I sleep with them, she would still try and have a relationship. So the breakthrough was realizing that this is him waving the red flag is a red flag. Because, I, I mean, that's not subtle. Unclear. You really shouldn't be proud of yourself if somebody says, I lose interest in people after I sleep with them. And then you'd be like, ah, I think this might yeah. be a red flag. I wasn't taking it that way. I, I was either. taking it more like he had red flags before that we just like didn't see in the episode. And then yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, I picked the wrong people. But I don't know. She has way more issues than picking the wrong person. She's just truly unhinged and has no boundaries at all. And that should probably be something that she looks into. But even just the fact that she's just broken up with Big and then she's like, oh, I'm super into this guy. I'm going to tell him that I like him after mm -hmm. our first date together. Yeah. Gary, what are you doing, girl? Are you okay? Where they're talking about surface level things about like, oh, you've also been in the same room where there was a plant. <laughs> right. Like they've had no real discussion. They only talk about therapy, but not even any of the substance of therapy. It's just right. like being in a location. Knowing the same person <laughs> and being in a room. Yeah. There's no substance to they're it. They're both hot, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, but... Come on, Carrie. Like, you don't even know this guy. Why are you telling him that you like him on your first date together? Because <laughs> she thinks she's being mature. She's so delusional. Also, speaking of the not playing games yeah. thing, woof, we got to talk about this. <laughs> Carrie being like, I don't play games. Carrie, do you not remember when you tried to sneakily get all of your belongings <laughs> into Mr. Big's apartment without him noticing? Like, do you remember basically backing him into a corner so that he'll tell you that he loves you? You're constantly playing games and like you're actually the perpetrator of most of these games. Right. Getting subtly mad at him about things without talking to him about it and then exactly. storming off. Exactly. Expecting him to know why she's mad without saying anything. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's the point of this episode, right? It's just to show how much she does not have self-awareness. And it's like what you said, Kristen, if you love to hate it because she's just a chaotic mess in this episode, like, girl, you are the game player. And then each kind of time they talk about the games, she accepts a little bit more responsibility for it. Just like gradually, never taking full responsibility, obviously, but like the role that she plays in it shifts each time she brings it up. I don't know if y'all noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. She has her friend. She talks to a lot and like, obviously she's having this bad breakup and she needs some therapy or she needs some Something more right but like she's not 
cognizant of it. I don't think it's like her intentionally like trying to pressure her friends into free therapy. No, but when they basically have an intervention, she's like, yeah. like, why should That's I pay true. somebody when I could talk to you guys for free? And it's like, no, we're saying we can't handle you. We tried to listen, but it's too much. You exactly. need to talk to somebody else. And then she's like, well, maybe I just need new friends. Yeah, she's trying to like kind of cover that with it being a jokey tone. But I'm like, no, she really feels this way. I feel like, yes, you should be able to lean on your friends. But there's like a fine line between griping about something every once in a while and just like constantly talking about your own issues without even asking your friends how they're doing. Right. And not getting the hint when your friends are like rolling their eyes at you. You've talked it out enough. Just like she's just like a fountain. And also when your friends tell you they have boundaries, they've had enough to be resistant against it is pretty rude. You yeah. think a normal person would be kind of taken aback by that? Like, oh my gosh, really? I've been yeah, all this big talk. Like, gee, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you show a little self-awareness yeah, there. Like, totally. You value their opinions. All three of them were telling you, like, carry mm-hmm. enough. The fact that when they actually said something and she was just like, nope, you guys are bad friends. It was just like, Carrie, you're such a narcissist. It's very annoying and like terrible. Yes. <laughs> but like, it was kind of funny because what would have been like terrible is like, oh, he was like this great guy and like really wanted her. And she's just like, no, not over big. It's better when she fell for him and then he just was like, nah. <laughs> it's like blew in her face. So it's like, nah, yeah, sorry, Carrie. So it's kind of satisfying. That's, yeah. that's sort of what I mean about how you love to hate her. It's like, oh, well, everything doesn't always come up, Carrie. That's fair. She definitely needed an L. So it was good to see that. <laughs> Let's do questions then. All right. So my first question is, what did you guys think of the therapist's comments? Basically that based on what Carrie's saying, it sounds like she chooses the wrong man. Yeah, I think she's basically saying that Carrie is attaching idealism what she wants someone to be to a person that's not going to be able to give that to her. I think it's a little bit too high level. There needed to be a little bit more specificity to that feedback. That said, you know, with therapy, you can't lay it all on someone in a single session, but I think it was valid. I don't think it's her only problem, but it's definitely one of them. What about in three sessions? Do you think that's enough to knock it out? No, <laughs> I sure don't. In the third session, she only came because she was all dressed up because she wanted to see Bon Jovi. This is just a minor note. I felt like Bon Jovi did a pretty good acting job. Like for I someone so, yeah, to actually. very good. We've seen some pretty bad and just bland male actors in this show. And I was like, huh, I would never know that he was not an actor. Yeah, no, I thought he was pretty good. I liked when he said he was going to tell Dr. G on her. I thought that was funny. Well, the one thing that Bon Jovi has said is he got into acting, you know, later in his career. Well, not in this episode, but he was in a couple of movies or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, when I was a musician, my music always got terrible critical reviews, but it was very popular and like sold well. As an actor, I get really good critical reviews, but nobody ever saw the movies I was in. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard of any of the movies. But just that I've heard, again, I've never seen him in anything, but I just, You've seen you know, him I've heard now. him talk about how he's well regarded as an actor. And, I, and when I saw him in this, I thought he was good. I mean, he was very good in his yeah. part. I think the acting was good overall in the show. I think that the female leads are all good. Yeah. Again, I haven't really watched the show, but like in this particular episode, I mean, even though Carrie's like annoying, like I still thought she does a good job. She's definitely playing her character. Would you say that you're overall open to the concept of therapy and your friends told you that 
they thought that you needed therapy, would you listen? Yes, of course. It would just be one of these things where like ultimately people make their own choices based on a variety of factors, but like the opinions of people you trust who are like, hey, this might be good for you. Then like, why would you not consider that? You'd be actually be like not self-aware not to. Yeah, totally. I've never done therapy myself, but big fan of it. And so if I got to the point where somebody said that I should, or I felt like, oh, I can't handle this or I need to talk to somebody, I absolutely would. Fair enough. I mean, I'm a big pro-therapy proponent, even if nothing's really going on. I think it's helpful. I have a therapist. It's been great. It's good to have somebody who's outside, you know, somebody who's not your family member or friend, like mm. who has no dog in the fight. Totally. Just to be able to objectively tell you things because it's hard even with people you're close with because they can't say things, you know, or won't say things. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's totally. nice to just have that independent kind of point of view looking at the situation. And in a way, the girls are actually really nice to Carrie to basically just say, you know, hey, this is not all about you being a magical, wonderful person and you think you need to get some help. Right. Or being like, well, why did you get back with this terrible guy who you already broke up with once? Totally. Well, I also think it's hard to bring something like that up if you think your friend needs therapy or whatever. Yeah. It's a hard conversation to have. So the fact that they did, to your point, Kim, I think makes them actually pretty good friends. That's true. A lot of people would probably just like phase out that friendship of like, oh, I can't deal with Carrie anymore. Well, again, the only line to me of this show that was really, really terrible <laughs> was Carrie was so, what she said to Miranda, mm -hmm. like, I know why you need therapy because you like hear the voices. It was so rude. Yeah. Yeah. Like why? Kim, you know, from listening to the podcast, Carrie gets these little digs into her friends all the time. That's like what she lives for yeah. of being like, oh, of course I told Samantha she looked young, even though she doesn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie is peak narcissist. Yeah. Just to say like, hey, Miranda, I understand you're, you get therapy, but I don't think you would need therapy. Like, you're great. Like, but like mm -hmm. the idea, you're a freak, but I'm not a freak like you, best friend. Right. Like, I mean, like, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I think also even telling someone who's in therapy that they don't need therapy is problematic in its own way. Carrie's just makes these dismissive comments to her friends all the time. Like she's just not a good friend. I feel like the only reason Carrie has friends is because she wants people to worship her. You know, she wants people to, to watch the Carrie show. I don't think she does it for any sort of reciprocal reasons. And she does it because she wants to brag about who her friends are. Every minor character is a dear friend in some way where it's like, no, they're not. You know this person. Yeah. I refuse to believe that all of New York City loves Carrie Bradshaw. Agree. I have one last question. We've talked about it a little bit, but what are our thoughts about meeting a man at therapy? The worst possible place. I guess it's better than the strip club, but like, I mean, it, it wouldn't be on my top 10 places of where you should be meeting someone. No, certainly not. No, that's a terrible idea. I think it's a terrible idea. They're basically saying like, oh, it's bad that she met someone in therapy because obviously like that guy must be messed up because he's in therapy versus like you shouldn't meet someone in therapy because it's a conflict. Right. I know she wasn't going to keep going to therapy because she's Carrie, but like then it's an excuse to not go anymore because you don't want to see this guy. And you know, there's no other therapists in Manhattan. Well, exactly. So, I mean, she doesn't go to Dr. G's office to avoid him. Like she couldn't possibly find a different therapist. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was saying. It's like, <laughs> instead of finding a different therapist, it's like, nope, I guess I have to go back to breaking <laughs> boundaries with my friends again. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the last comment of the show is my friends totally understood. And I can't tell if that's sincere or not. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny. It was I think it's funny. Just meant to be funny. I, I thought it was funny too, but like in an annoying way where I'm just like, ugh. 
well, what could she do? Because even if she changed her appointment time, she could possibly run to Seth again at the office. Right. All right. Kristen, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Yeah. So in relationships, what do you guys think about playing games? Everyone plays games. Yeah, I think everyone does to some degree. I don't even think just in romantic relationships. Agreed. I think mm. in just any any context, right? Like if you're mad at somebody, you're just like, oh, well, I'm not going to respond to their text message for four hours or something. You know, I don't want this guy to like think that I'm like really into him. So like, I'm going to wait a full day to respond, stuff like that. I mean, that's just human interaction, I think involves some kind of gamemanship. Totally. All of it is like, to some degree, a game of chess, right? Like if I do this, this person will respond in this way and then I should do this instead. And not that it should be like, somebody has to win and somebody has to be the top person in power. But I think whether we're conscious of it or not, we are always kind of in some capacity doing that. I agree. I think that there's definitely a line. At yeah. some point, it's just like tiring <laughs> after a while. When you reach a right. certain level with, of comfort with somebody, I guess some of those those examples are kind of game but to me some things are just behaviors like sometimes I want to be petty and that's really when I play the most games of like ah what can I do to just be as petty as possible about this well that's thing. yeah exactly <laughs> like even being petty on its own is playing a game yeah. right like <laughs> I think even even in close relationships, like it may not be quite as calculated, but there's still like mm -hmm. a certain level of game playing that's just always happening. That said, I think that you can be aware of like some bigger game plays. Like the fact that Carrie doesn't consider like trying to sneak her stuff into Big's apartment as a game. Carrie, how can you say right. that you don't play games? I do think everyone plays games to some capacity. Yeah. But I think there are kind of like levels of it where it gets to be counterproductive. Yeah, I tend to agree, especially like in a new relationship. I mean, I guess you don't want to go like over the top crazy with rules about stuff. But if you meet mm -hmm. somebody and you really like them, it would be weird to like respond to all of their texts really quickly and be open like, oh, I really like you. And I was hoping you would text me in the morning. That's just too intense. Like you have to dial it down. I guess technically that's a game, but it's really being mindful of how you present yourself to other people. Totally. I also think like this isn't necessarily a good thing, but the person that cares the least in most interactions like is the person that has the power in it. And like that could be a weird game mm, as well. Yeah. Right. I was talking about this with a friend recently, even for like job interviews and stuff, if you really don't care and like, you know, you still do a good interview, but you're just like, whatever. Like, no, that's super true. Actually, that's how I got my job now <laughs> exactly it's like subconsciously with these people you the upper hand right it's right. like oh well she doesn't care so she must be really valuable or like really good I think that's that's also a game though to a certain degree right yeah and I think especially with dating playing the who cares the least card happens for a really long time until you just are in mm. a comfortable place all right let's jump into the segments so first up we have nostalgia so the big nostalgia thing i had in this episode is they barely use the word therapist they almost exclusively say shrink and mm -hmm. i was like wow i haven't heard people use shrink especially that often yeah the phrase shrink i think has just kind of fallen out of favor i feel like it may be like kind of even offensive a little bit i guess you know when i was still young in the 90s but when i think of the word shrink i think of like a neurotic like you know, like a woody allen like oh i need to talk to my shrink yeah or i feel like now people 
people see therapists for all different kinds of reasons. And it's very commonplace, you know, in mm-hmm. relationships and everything. So I feel like there's definitely not that like same like stigma, like, oh, Woody Allen laying on the couch. Yeah, that ties in with this as well. Another nostalgia thing I had was just, I feel like at this time in the 90s, besides just saying like shrink, there was this kind of like that kind of Woody Allen kind of concept of like, oh, we're all so messed up. We all have to go see shrinks. I felt like that ties in with this, but I also felt like that was very much of the time. Yeah, I mean, the the 90s, it became trendy to be in therapy. And there were all those weird, I still love to watch them those like sexual thrillers like all the Bruce Willis ones where he's like a therapist did you guys ever see like The Color of Night it's a whole 90s genre where it's like ooh everybody like sees this therapist like a cool sexy thing totally along the same lines Carrie makes this comment that shrinks in New York are as ubiquitous as pirated cable nice yet he can only find Dr. G cable reference and pirated cable at that. Yeah. I was like, wow, wow, wow. It's pirated been a minute. HBO. Do you remember, Kristen, we had a Descrambler box? I was just going to say, that's how we watched Care Bears. Bear Bar was on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a box you could plug into your TV to essentially like steal the scrambled channel. Right. You could see sometimes things that were on like the scrambled yeah. channel. And the scrambler made it more clear. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. So other nostalgic stuff. I found the fashion in this one to be just like peak late 90s, early 2000s. Like Samantha at the bar scene is wearing like one of those thin plastic headbands that I have not seen an adult wear since then. And then also in the bar scene, you know I have issues with the mixing of this music in these episodes they were playing and I don't know what the name of the song is but it's like a jock jam song the hey. yeah they use it in so many tv shows it was it's like just... a really common tv show song right but I remember like from the 90s having that like jock jam cd and you hear like the whole song the long form song I feel like they played a lot of that and I haven't heard that song in a long time which it just seems very of that era for me so that was very nostalgic totally I had one other thing the little toy that Carrie's playing with in Dr. G's office it's like this little handmade wooden toy and the thing like flips around or something I feel like nowadays that would just be a fidget spinner I thought the fact that it was like this old wooden toy was pretty nostalgic that's a good point the last thing I had I wasn't in New York in 1999 but 10 years later I was no yeah 2009 god I'm old but the grocery store that Miranda is shopping in has real old like D'Agostino's type vibes where you know that butter is seven dollars a pound they're just like so expensive and everything is small and selection is bad and it's like very brown in there i think there's probably still some grocery stores like that but new york city grocery stores have gotten a lot brighter if nothing else yeah even the grocery store by me in brooklyn i feel like was like that like the produce was like not that great but everything was crazy expensive yeah and it was like dark and kind of icky All right, let's keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about fashion? Yeah. Yes. I kind of liked the fashion in this one. I don't feel like there was anything that like specifically stood out to me except for Carrie's date outfit for her second date. The street walker outfit. Oh my, I was like screaming. I I liked that outfit. Oh no. I mean, if you were like a child looker, I mean, it was really tight yellow shorts Mm -hmm. and then like a bare midriff Mm -hmm. and like a kind of like a bikini type top. Mm -hmm. And then she wasn't wearing green high she was wearing like blue high heels I think to match the blue the high top. heels yeah it was a midriff top but that was very popular at that time like 
crop tops and, and belly shirts. I thought she looked great, honestly. I wouldn't wear it, but I didn't hate that outfit. I liked it. I mean, she looks great. I mean, I actually love the dress that she was wearing when she was trying to impress Bon Jovi, like the white and red flower mm-hmm. dress. Dr. G said, oh, you look nice. Like, I thought she looked really nice, actually. There's like another outfit that's also like kind of like a bit sexy that she's wearing when in the beginning, she's walking down the street with Charlotte. This like leather, again, kind of crop top kind of thing. Wait, is that the vest? She's wearing a vest as a shirt. It's like a, yeah, but I thought she looked great. I, I didn't like the vest as a shirt, but she was wearing like kind of straight, like big cuff jeans, which I really liked. I had that in my notes. And she was wearing really cute shoes with them too. Like, again, I probably wouldn't wear them because that is not my body type, but she's got a smoking bod and she should show it off if she wants to. And she looked good. I feel like it's one thing. Shania Twain has said this, Ooh. like when she, she used to show her midriff a lot. She's like, if you're showing your midriff, then you're not wearing like bright colors. You're not wearing like a mini skirt. Like, you know what I mean? Like choose what you're going to emphasize. But I just feel like it was bright and there were heels and it was tight and it was shorts and it was a bare belly. You know what I mean? Now that you say that, it was the heels that right. did it for me. I think though that was the 90s though. Like I think Kimmy you're totally right. Like they even say that on Queer Eye where they're like, pick one thing. Everything is like mm-hmm. overwhelming. But like in the 90s and early 2000s, we were not about picking one thing. We were doing all of it. I think it's interesting because I think we're in a unique fashion time where like now 90s style is very in in 1999. Like we're moving into like a different phase. So I do mm-hmm. think we're going to see a lot of fashion that just like is going to be hard to wrap your head around because like the girls that I work with in their 20s wear high-waisted mom shorts and crop tops to work. And like that's totally acceptable. But then it's mm-hmm. like, well, is that really any different than what Carrie's wearing? It's like yeah. a few inches, but I feel like the styles are just different but sometimes when something is just not in fashion you don't even know how it would play out in in modern society totally any other fashion just what I said earlier that I forgot how like pretty they all were and like they they look great like Mm -hmm. no they really do all right let's talk about what was problematic besides most of the episode I thought Carrie's terrible treatment of her friends particularly that Miranda thing uh, that was like that's ridiculous yeah certainly the whole like oh shrink it's for crazy people yeah that idea of it and mm-hmm. like oh and a piece of therapy must be messed up and like you know yeah. Carrie's not messed up she's too good for this I thought it was certainly wasn't an episode that like put therapy to a good light it was no. sort of like oh you know what it did put in a good light though Twister it sure did <laughs> I wonder how many people went out and bought Twister as like a fun sexy date activity after this episode a lot Mm-hmm. I used to love Twister as a kid. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that the overarching problematic issue with this episode is just the way they approach therapy through Carrie's eyes that it's not really a helpful tool. I agree. Be cool like Carrie. Don't go to therapy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I have basically the same thing, a little bit more broad, but just the way they generally address mental health in this episode is just really problematic and bad. Again, very anti-therapy attitude. Carrie just thinks that she doesn't need to have boundaries with her friends, meeting a guy at a therapist's office, (laughs) just all of the treatment of mental health and like the ways of dealing with it were not good. Agreed. Right. Let's talk about what holds up. I mean, I think a lot of this episode does hold up. We had already said with Miranda's storyline, mistaking somebody's flirtations for someone else's your own is just mortifying. Like it's fine. She's going to be fine. But in the moment, it's mortifying. Dense dudes who think being into sports is a personality. 
right before I met my husband. So this was like eight, nine years ago. It was the summer and I was dating this guy who I met at a bar when I was dating somebody else. And then I started going out with him. So what I realized is he liked to go to the same bar every night, which was like, fine, I like to drink. So go to this bar and it was, it was like Braves season. He was like really into the Braves. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I like the Braves. And like, you know, we watch games, you know, at the bar and have some drinks mm-hmm. or whatever. And then like one night the Braves weren't on. I'm like, okay, oh, we go someplace else. And he's like, no, like, let's just meet there. So I could go to the bar and they have NASCAR on. <laughs> he's like, uh, NASCAR. I'm like, you like NASCAR? And he's like, well, basically Basically, he's saying, you know, if the Braves are not on, it's not football season, then he'll watch NASCAR. So it's always like something. So then I was just like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the NASCAR. Like, I can, I can watch basketball, but I don't know if I'm the NASCAR type. But it's that thing because like, otherwise you'd have to go to a restaurant and like have conversation about interests and things right. that aren't sports related. Right. That's just how he identifies as sports fans. But I thought it was immediately with the Samantha storyline. So I was sort of like, okay, I can put up with some baseball. But like, you know, eventually, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. And then, you know, he's like, oh, NASCAR. That's a good story. I like that. I have a couple of things that are a little bit more, I guess, psychological in nature. But I think it was interesting this time around because like, obviously Carrie and Big have broken up. She's not doing well, but she's definitely doing better than after the first time they broke up where she's just like moping and like not doing anything. I do feel like that is a thing that happens. Like, especially if you're in an on again, off again relationship. I feel like after the first breakup, like each breakup after that is just like less concerning because you're just like, whatever, I've already not lived with this person. Like I can do it again. So I was kind of getting that vibe from Carrie, even though she was still kind of obsessively talking about him. Yeah. I mean, it was a different vibe after the first breakup. She just didn't leave her apartment. And I guess was more crying and depressed. This is more Mm -hmm. obsessive, which arguably for her friends might be worse, but yeah, probably easier to bounce back from if she can just find something else to be obsessed about for a little bit. Exactly. And then I talked about this a little bit, but I do think that like sometimes when you're like in a bad place, it can be very all consuming and can easily turn into the only thing that you talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of lose sight of that sometimes and it can probably annoy your friends. Yeah. So I think that was pretty relatable. Oh, yeah. Universal. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. And then the last piece was just like feeling like you picked the wrong guys. I think the way that Carrie kind of addresses it is a little bit silly. Like, again, it's still not taking into consideration. Why is it that I'm attracting these guys? You know, what what is it about me and like my behavior that is causing this? But I do think just the way that we're kind of socialized as a society is to allow for men to kind of be toxic like this and like just have women deal with it. So I feel like that kind of holds up. Although I did read an interesting article recently that's basically about how there's more single men now than ever. I saw that one too. Because like women are just like done with their bullshit and are just like, it's fine. I'll be single. Plus, I think that bisexuality is up. I think more women are maybe seeking relationships with other women. I think that's definitely true compared to the 90s. The dream. Yeah. Bisexuality and like pansexuality for sure. I think everybody's kind of felt like, ugh, why do I keep attracting these like losers, you know? Can I ask you this though? Who would be like a good match for Carrie? I almost feel like she's like a Charlotte in a way in that like, does she like Mr. Big because he's like important and rich and like, you know, a businessman? I mean, what is it? I wish they would have her identify attracting the wrong man what are you actually looking for because there was a thing i think the last episode i listened to which is probably a few episodes back when you said like she was at the party and like she met the guy who was the caterer with the dragon mm-hmm. tattoo or something mm-hmm. and it's like what is he too good for him like they had a lot in common is she too good for him because he's like not rich like mr big 
big. Yeah. Like, it's like, what, what are you actually looking for, Carrie? Yeah. And Kristen, that's kind of what you were saying before too, where it's just like, we don't know what she actually is looking for in a person. And like, until she identifies that she's not going to find the right person. In season one, when she meets Stanford's grandma, she's like, I think like 32 right now. And she's never considered whether she wants to get married or have children. It's all just Mm -hmm. brand new to her. She never thought about it until Stanford's grandma is like, do you want a family? And then she's like, I think I might. Do you want to get married? Like, she doesn't know. Does Mr. Big want to get like, why are you doing this? If you just want to have like a fun fling, then actually Mr. Big is fine. Well, at least someone like Charlotte is a little bit more honest about like, you know, maybe she's like totally like terrible, but she's also like, I want like a rich, successful guy and we can get married and we'll have a kid and we'll have like a nice house in the Hamptons. Like, you know, she has like her idea of what she wants. Like, what is it that Carrie wants? Right. How, how are you 32 and you never thought about if you want like a family? Right. Or not? That's yeah. Crazy. There's a balance between the two, though, which I think Miranda probably meets the most where it's like, yes, you should have an idea of what you want in a person, but you're also not doing yourself any favors by being too restrictive of what you're looking for the way Charlotte is. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Mm-hmm you know, what you really need to do is just sit down, make a list, prioritize the list as like, these are the must haves. Right. These are the nice to haves and like go from it that perspective. But no, Carrie truly has no idea what she wants. So like, she's always going to date the wrong men. Right. And even if I can use Kim as an example, when Kim was dating, she pretty much only wanted to date a professional, but also who wasn't like an insane type A like she was. And we were like, that person doesn't exist. And then you met Brett and it was like, oh, he's like a cool sports lawyer, but also like chill and like. Well, that's the thing though. Like, like in a weird way, not to be like obnoxious, just like manifesty like whatever (laughs) but like as soon as you do kind of define that you realize that what you're looking for isn't actually like that difficult to find right you just haven't been targeting things appropriately again I think there's a fine line right like it sounds like Kim in your case the priorities were those two things and there were probably other things that were like this would also be nice but are probably not deal breakers until Carrie does that I don't think that's going to happen for her no because I feel like Samantha is the most well-adjusted because she actually is like okay you know I'm looking for a good time but I'm not going to get married Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to have kids I'm not looking for this or that Carrie is just like all over the place yeah even compared to Beretta she's the one who needs therapy the most (laughs) yeah yes I think that even brought in the point even more of like, yeah, we all picked the wrong guy, but I think picking the wrong guy in part is because you're not actually prioritizing what you're looking for. I also just think it's one of those like lessons that you learn when you're single, like people can tell you that, but then you just have to experience it yourself to really see it. Well, it's very interesting too, if this show, and I'm not saying I'm this diversity or anything, but they're all white. I mean, have, have they dated anyone who's not white in the show? No. And like, it seems like all of them are going after very similar guys. Like, oh, that they're like movers and shakers in the you know New York social scene. Or like they, you know, they're an importer. They have some kind of big business job or, right. you know, actually other than like maybe Steve, who's like, oh, well, he's just a bartender. And like, you know, you said he was the only guy who was, seemed to have like a nice person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like Carrie should, you know, is she only looking for a certain social class, white, rich businessman? Yeah. Who also thinks she's quirky and wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. That's the other piece, right? Like sometimes what you want is really shallow, but you should just admit it. Right. Well, it's telling because when the therapist asked, tell me about Mr. Big, she says he was handsome. And she doesn't even say handsome. She says he was smart, sexy, and messed up and played games. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why doesn't she say, well, if she's always looking for the wrong kind of man, why does she make a list of the guys that she dated? And then like, she should look for a guy who's like a blue collar Hispanic who lives in, you know, <laughs> Staten Island or something. Like, you know, try to find somebody totally different like from anybody opposite. you've dated before. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Right. Who like will treat you nice and will play games and will just want to like settle down and tell you he loves you. If that's what you're really looking for, Carrie. So like be honest with yourself. Yeah, for sure. I think that example might be an extreme in the other direction. But like, I think just like finding the list of guys and just saying these are what they all have in common besides dating me. And these are the things that I like about them. And these are the things that I didn't. Mm -hmm. Even that would be incredibly helpful for her. Mm -hmm. Like she writes all the time. Like, why can't she just write pros and cons list? Right. A list of what she's looking for. Yeah, that would make a good article. What am I looking for in a man? We'll see if it ever happens. All right. Kristen, did this episode pass the Bechdel test? It did. So this one was like our first solid pass because even though Carrie's going on and on about Mr. Big, when they finally say you need therapy, they talk about therapy. I mean, Carrie's being terrible, but they have several exchanges about therapy and they're not talking about a man and it's a pretty solid Mm. pass. So Good job this one episode. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. How about hero and villain of the week? For hero, I said Miranda because she puts herself out there. She's still pretty fresh on a breakup. There she's doing what she can to meet new people. And it was very mature of her to introduce herself to the guy in the grocery store. And she also is a really good friend, better than Carrie deserves, because she just holds back her feelings at Carrie's nasty comment about Mm -hmm. why she's in therapy and just like, let's focus on the task at hand. And then on the inverse of that, I said Carrie's the villain because she was really mean to her friends and very self-indulgent. Which is the entire reason she doesn't want to go to therapy. Yeah, because it's too self-indulgent. Okay, girl. Classic. Yeah, I had the same here on Villain. Similar things for Miranda. I think she was also supportive, like having her therapist refer Carrie to another therapist was very nice of her. And then I gave Stanford an honorable mention because he may be a little too into therapy, but mostly correct opinions there. And then Carrie, the obvious, anti-mental health, mean to Miranda, no boundaries, no self-awareness, totally in denial, just terrible per usual. So she is once again the villain. I think we're in like a three or four week Carrie villain streak. Yeah, Kim. I basically concur with what you both said. Certainly Miranda, I think is the hero. And then Carrie is certainly a villain, but I would still say at least at the end, she got what was coming to her sort of. And Bon Jovi was a terrible person. So so I'd say he's co-villain with Carrie. I don't think Bon Jovi did anything wrong. <laughs> I think he figured out how to sleep with women he meets in therapy and then get off scot-free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he's a jackass. He's not a good person. Ah, You know, neither is Carrie. So there you go. Oh my God, they would be perfect for each other. That's why they're co-villains of the week. All right, let's do ratings. So this is the part of the episode where we rate the quality of the sex, the quality of the city, and the episode overall on a scale of one to five on how much we liked it. Kim, do you want to go first? 
okay i guess for sex i'd say like two i guess going back to like you know like the 90s and hbo i feel like they have to have this like gratuitous sex stuff the samantha thing was kind of like icky like I, I didn't think anything was real sexy in the episode but i'm not thinking that was like terrible or horrible for the city i mean i like when they were kind of walking through the city i don't think there was like a ton of city shots so maybe like middle like three but overall i liked the episode i thought it was funny i thought it went quickly i thought it was entertaining so I'd say, you know, 4.5. I liked it. All right. Cool. Kristen, what about you? So for sex, I said 3.5. Kim, not having watched that many episodes, the Samantha sex scenes are usually like gross in my opinion. This one, I was like, okay, it, At least it, was, it short. was fine. It was kind of weird. And I hated that they were playing the Jock Jam song too loudly in the background for my taste. But I liked the Carrie Bon Jovi twister foreplay scene. I thought that was funny and cute. And then overall, there was nothing disturbing about it. So I gave it pretty high score for the show, which is a 3.5. I gave it a three for City because like I said, I liked the grocery store. There were just some like random shots, especially at the beginning of Carrie about town with the gals in different areas and in the park and everything they're sitting outside a lot and then like Miranda in front of the window of her like apartment flirting with that guy that's a very like New Yorky city type of thing so a decent city score and then overall I gave it a 3.5 I enjoyed the episode I thought it was pretty fun and very short which it's nice it's breezy easy breezy now it made prep for this episode a lot easier yeah so I also gave sex a 3.5 I liked the twister scene and yeah for a Samantha sex scene it really wasn't that bad and then the execution wasn't like the best but like the steamy little scene with the neighbor and Miranda even though we find out it wasn't targeted towards her that could be sexy if you're into that kind of thing so gave it a 3.5 City, I actually gave a four. I thought there were some good walking scenes, especially with Stanford. I feel like we saw something a little bit unique and like not a walking area that we would typically see in the show. I also don't know if you noticed this, but when the gals are going to the sports bar and they're walking like in a row, like across the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. there's like a guy that cuts through them (laughs) in the middle is like, excuse me. And bad sidewalk etiquette. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that was actually something that probably wasn't planned, but like happened. And then they decided to keep it because it is very New York. But like the gals like literally just seamlessly moved out of the way for the guy to get through and kept going. And yeah, so I really liked that because it did feel very New York. And then yeah, being able to see your neighbors and and that kind of thing. So I thought it was a good city week and I gave it a four. And then for overall episode, I gave it a 2.5. And like it that much I thought it was boring but it wasn't like the worst episode so 2.5 that's fair yeah well I think that's all we have this week yeah Kim is there anything you want to plug oh I just want to say thank you it was fun Thanks for joining. This is great. And thanks everybody else for joining us. We hope you come back next week when we talk about season two, episode 14, the F buddy. We should just say fuck buddy. Apparently it's called the fuck buddy, but in HBO Max, it's bleeped out. So, you know. If you enjoy the podcast, we hope you will review and subscribe on whatever platform you get podcasts from. And if you want to send us a comment or question, we might even read it on the podcast. You can reach us through Instagram or our email address, which are both going to be in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you next time.